Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fike Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we begin a brand new week in WWE. And last I checked, I have one personality, not six. I can confirm. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner, the wise man himself. I bring to you not salty Scott Young today, not even perky. He only works once a month, but I bring to you hangry Scott Young, because according to him, he's very hungry, he's starving, and he's fiending for some chips by way of hook. Hello, hangry. All right, Keela. So, you know, first of all, um, let me try to get my normal spew out the way. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. (laughs) You got your revenge because you broke me. You got me. Okay. You got that was good. You got me with that one. And uh, unlike you, I do have multiple personalities. I have at least four that we've got up to right now, especially with this new hangry personality. Um, yeah, I got my cool ranch, got some Coke over here, and I'm uh, just trying to do my best hook impression. It's very nutritious. Do you have hair like Hook, by the way? Oh, no. I, I definitely don't have the swag to pull that off. <laughs> definitely not built like that. Damn. Almost got cheddar biscuits for free, if you did. <laughs> Darn! Nah, I got I got the the basic dad buzz cut. <laughs> I got the basic two kids dad buzz cut, and I can respect that. So you got the dad cut, exactly. I appreciate it. Also joining us today, a member of the Fight Game Media family who started all of this hungriness offline, off the air. And now I'm hungry for more food, and he's hungry to talk about WWE. I bring to you, as always, Jeremy Finestone. Welcome back, Jeremy. Hello. Hi. I just want to say my apologies would be empty, unlike my stomach. So we're going to move on from that first. Scott, you're eating potato chips. You're going to be salty at one point. There's no getting around it. And Keela, I hope that we get through this without you killing either of us because of the hangry factor it's gonna be quite the show i already know it do i have to eat a snickers to really mellow out and calm down i don't know what i should do probably (laughs) i don't know i mean i feel like i'm gonna be in a mood today i'm preparing myself right now but at least i could take solace in the fact that i can still respect myself and look in the mirror and say i was not a part of the most miserable segment of monday night raw involving the miz Maurice, Dexter Loomis, and Cake that went awry on Monday Night Raw. I don't forget about the balloons too. Um, <laughs> Keela, let me let me ask you on the on the topic of the Snickers. You said that you were going to have. Um, what is the <laughs> what is the other personality that is overtaking you right now that you need the Snickers to get back to yourself because you're not yourself if you, you know when you're hungry. So what what uh, what character do you have in place of you right now while while you're while you're very upset and angry and not yourself? Well, right now I'm Lily. Oh, shit. <laughs> You're a doll. <laughs> yes. I'm a psychotic doll. I make Annabelle look like Chucky, and that's something that, you know. So my next question is, how are you eating the bar? Because you ain't got no mouth. Well, I have like those four little teeth at the front. <laughs> and somehow I'm a hot seller on WWEshop.com by way of FanDuel or, or whatever. What, what is, what's Fanatics now? Fanatics. You could place bets on Lily killing everybody by the end of the show, by the way. 
you know, you know, you reap what you sow because offline I was like, hey, you know, it'd be really like maybe I could steer this conversation from not talking about basketball <laughs> right away. And now everything's gone completely off the rails going into Bray Wyatt and the Miz. So uh, good job by me for artificially <laughs> trying to steer the narrative of the start of the show. My bad, everybody. <laughs> but since you mentioned it. The NBA does start on Tuesday. Really? It does. It does. And I cannot wait for the ring ceremony for oh my, my Golden God. State Warriors as they win another uh, championship for next year. And they get their rings playing Scott's Lakers. It's just perfect, isn't it? No, this is awful. <laughs> like that, that is the absolute worst way to start the season off is playing the not only the team I despise, but the one guy, the one guy in basketball that I just like, I, I, the one guy I just never want to see succeed ever again. And Steph Curry. I, I, why? Why? Why me? Why me? Why? They could have played any other team. What are you doing, Adam? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Do, okay, so there's one thing I wanted to mention about the Warriors. It's kind of funny that the guy that got punched by Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, right? Yes. He has now ended up in a pool of green as a result. That was pretty good, actually. I don't think I've heard anyone say that either. That's not bad. Thank you. Thank you. That was so poetic. It touched my soul. I wished I, too, had $140 million. I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be, like, married to him for the money. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm... <laughs> Thirsty like that. That boy sometimes. got the bag. That boy got the bag for coming off for coming 140 million for coming off the bench. Yes. You go to college for four years. That's why he got punched. You're right though, Draymond. Like, yo, you got 140 million? Yeah, bro. You gotta take one for the team. You gotta take one. That's true. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> so we've had a lot of conversations for the first five minutes of the show that was not about wrestling besides the Miz and to put Scott on the spot very briefly you mentioned to me at the top of the show off the air by the way in our post-production meeting that the Miz is still in your top five don't you think he deserves to be slid down a spot on your list for what happened on Monday just for a week listen um you know the Miz was absolutely in the worst segment of the week no question about that it, I want in any wrestling promotion on TV, let me just throw that out there. Just, you know, that's coming from me. Uh, with that being said, uh, you know, even Michael Jordan lost the game. So it's okay. We'll come back next week. Uh, we still got the rings to show. You know, we still have the legacy that has been built. The foundation is solid. So we can take a storm or two. You just compared him to Michael Jordan. Oh, <laughs> shit. Um, they both have really great shoes. They do. They both dress really well. That's true. Well, this wraps up the show for today. I will see you all <laughs> next week. Take care. Point, counterpoint. <laughs> How can I proceed after that? But I'm going to find a way to do it. God, really? Michael Jordan. Let me watch the last dance to erase all of this shit from the last five minutes. My God. How could you? Oh, the unseasoned 
partake of that. Oh, I can I can just feel people's eyes like just rolling in their head, like oh my god. Mine did. <laughs> it did. I zoned out for a good thirty seconds after that, and I'm recovered now. As we dive into Monday Night Raw, going down live from Brooklyn, New York at the Barclays Center. And we kick things off with the bloodline as always. And they are my favorite crew in professional wrestling today. And I got to point out the honorary oos, Sami Zayn, because now he's a member of that classic TV show with the live studio audience. And you see the star of the show come out and he gets the loudest ovation. He gets the biggest pop. And that's how Brooklyn treated Sami on Monday as the biggest star in that ring, bringing nothing but laughs and entertainment as he tells Jey Uso that you're simply not being oozy right now. You're not being cool like your brother Jimmy. They do the handshake and I still laugh at that. Solo is stoic in the ring. Romans is like, you do what you gotta do, stepdaddy Sammy. This is your guy. This is your responsibility to take care of him to make sure he's not a hothead anymore. And Jay is having none of this. He's offended by Sammy trying to be his mentor doing all of this, which leads to Matt Riddle coming out and stirring up shit with Roman saying, hey, Roman, I lost a championship match a few months ago. Can I get another shot? And Roman's like, no, Stip stands. Creative change doesn't matter. You still don't get your shot anymore, which leads to Matt Riddle versus Sami Zayn, which was goaded by Jey Uso, who wanted to put Sammy on the spot. They have the match later in the show. And Sammy's like, I got this. I got things under control. And Roman tells Jay specifically, you have to help Sammy win. It's your job to ensure victory. And victory was not ensured as Sammy lost to Riddle via an RKO. And that leads to Friday Night Smackdown a couple of days ago. And it was Sammy Zayn versus Kofi Kingston. Solo stayed in the back and Jay once again provided the assist at ringside. Very good match between Sammy and Kofi. And it ends when Jay reverses a cover on Sammy's behalf as he picks up the win. But Sammy thinks he's done it all by himself. And Jay is seeking confirmation from his brother, his baby brother, Solo. Solo is backstage, but apparently he missed the finish. He's, I didn't see nothing. I didn't catch that. And then he gets mad when Sammy and Solo continue to bond and Roman calls Sammy and they share a joke over the phone and Jay's upset he's not in on the joke. It's a very rough week for Jay Uso who's being gaslit now by not only Sammy, but his little brother. So Scott, what are your thoughts on Sammy Zayn and the misadventures of the bloodline as Sammy continues to make Jay's life a living hell? You know, I know it sounds crazy to think, but we really need to remember who's in charge now and With Triple H, two of his biggest success stories in NXT, and I might have mentioned this last week or the week before, two of his biggest success stories as far as the great, the best stories that they ever told, one of them was Sami Zayn and his his quest to the title and the reaction that Sami Zayn is getting right now. I love the the sitcom reference that you that you used there because I think that was spot on the way everybody was introduced. They got they each got a nice reaction, but Sammy got a, a special reaction. It was a very a very like oh there he is that's the guy you know it was when Urkel came out everybody went crazy. He got the Urkel pop, um, and so I, I love that reference. And I think like there is a very real possibility that Sami Zayn could be the guy, maybe not to, I don't know, man. Sami Zayn can mess around and be the guy to challenge Roman Reigns. And I know that sounds crazy. I know it's like, what are you talking about? But who, what 
what bigger i mean the reaction that he's getting that this is this is main event level reactions like there are very few if any anybody that's getting that level of a reaction no matter what they're doing no matter who they're facing and i think if you turn Sami Zayn babyface whenever it happens whenever that beatdown eventually comes when everybody's like yo and they just look at him and he kind of you saw the tease and you saw how the crowd was empathetic with him for the tease i i think there's a very real possibility or at least it's got to be in the, in the back of their mind that maybe Sammy's the guy who should go after and Maybe Sammy. You, I mean, you would create a brand new. You would create a top tier main event star, no question. A a, a new top tier star. So I I just think that's a possibility that people should keep in keep in the back of their minds that maybe Sammy Zayn's got big plans down the road with Triple H in charge, especially. Yeah, I can go in any direction at this point. It's so complex, and anybody can turn on who. I feel sorry for Jay. You feel for Sammy because you know it's going to come to an end eventually. But you got to look at the pieces. Solo likes Sammy. Jimmy likes Sammy. Roman likes Sammy. Jay hates Sammy. His brothers might hate Jay at this point. You don't know. It's just an ever-evolving storyline that honestly changes week to week. And now I don't know what I want. I thought the initial end game was going to be tag team title win for KO and Sammy. That might not be a possibility. It could be Sammy taking Roman out to win the championship. You never know because the storyline is wide ranging. It could take any twists and turns in a given week or month or hell, maybe six months from now. You don't know where we're going to be heading into WrestleMania. But that's the beauty of the storyline. It can go in so many different directions. So, Jeremy, what's your thoughts on Sammy's performance on Monday and Friday as he continues to make Jay's life a living hell? Guys, this angle is fantastic. I am enjoying it week to week, show by show. It is, it's not letting up from Raw to SmackDown, SmackDown to Raw. This is this is the top level, uh, top level storytelling that they have, in addition to threading multiple other stories throughout the shows. Like there's a real creative effort to like have a connective tissue to all these shows. And right now, Sami Zayn is the main connective tissue between all of these shows. He's main eventing both shows. He's a proxy for Roman. Roman had five minutes, 10 minutes on this show tops, uh, three minutes speaking. The rest was, you know, body language, gestures, whatnot, get in the car and go. And everything ran through him as a result. So, you know, you have, you have like this roadrunner Wiley Coyote, uh, like dynamic between Sammy and Jay, Sammy being the road runner and Jay can never quite seem to catch him and get him, get him doing whatever he needs to get him ousted or whatever. It's, it's really interesting because I can't tell like face heel dynamics. Like I sympathize with Jay in this thing, but everybody loves Sammy and Sammy's eventually like the feeling is going to be, he's going to get booted out of the thing. And Scott, you talked about a match between Roman and Sammy at some point. I would not discount the idea of Sammy getting a non-title win over Roman while he still has the belt that leads to a bigger thing down the line with him and Kevin with the tag titles. That would be a direction which kind of serves a lot of masters in that direction. But overall, I'm just 
this is a main event angle that we used to only get around WrestleMania time, like the threading of week to week engrossing stuff leading to a big payoff that you were coming. like, we're getting this in the middle of October. There is a legitimate creative resurgence going on and it's all being spearheaded by top talent like Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, Paul Heyman. And sometimes when he shows up, Roman Reigns, it's great stuff. It's the best. We still got war games, too, and you still have no idea how we're going to get some teams for the men's side of things because it's so wide open. We got three or four factions that are eligible for this matchup, and I know we can only get two in there. I'm intrigued. And as you mentioned, we normally get this storytelling around WrestleMania season, but we have it planned out ahead of time. That was the old Mm -hmm. WWE way that you would have a plan by December of where you want to go for WrestleMania. I like that thought process of let's go back to pre-planning ahead of schedule and not throw things together after the Warrior Rumble and pray on it. So I like the fact that we're planning ahead and there is an idea and it can go in in any number of directions, which is going to be very good in terms of storytelling at the end of the day. And this is by far the best thing that WWE has going right now. And I'm intrigued every single week by what Sam is going to say and do next and how Jay is going to be pissed off every step of the way. As we move on to my favorite subject, Hmm. Rey Mysterio. Now, Scott has stood on this mountain for weeks now as he has declared Rey Mysterio a terrible father. And I personally have put him in the running for worst father of the year. After this week, I have now punched my ticket and I have submitted my ballot. As of today, Rey Mysterio is the worst father of 2022 because you let your son, not only on Saturday, but on Monday, punk you out. He says, hit me, dad, hit me. And Ray's crying. He's sniveling. I can't do it, son. I love you. I, I raised you. I held you. I, I, I took you in a ladder match 15, 16 years ago. I bought you home from your real daddy, Eddie. And Dominic doesn't care about any of this. So he beats his dad ass again, hits it with his own 619 to add insult to injury as Rhea held Ray down. And Ray's crying again. Oh, my son. I love him. I can't hit him. And there's a two-part story to all of this, which I'll get to for SmackDown. But Ray Mysterio, you're going to let your son embarrass you repeatedly. You don't hit your son. You let, you let your son curse you out in Spanish. He gets bleeped for cursing you out. And you can't even respond to that. What's wrong with just getting a switch and whooping your son's ass for all of us? But knowing Dominic, you know, these days he likes getting whipped by Rhea, his real poppy. So, Ray, you just suck as a father on every level. How can you go home to Angie every night and say, what happened? You got punked out by your son again. And then you ran, which I'll get to later. But you ran from your son, Ray Mysterio, running from his son, who acts like 10, even though he acts allegedly like an adult, but he's still 10 at heart. Jeremy, take it away. All right. So Ray Mysterio (laughs) somewhat disappointed me in the fact that he cannot seem to behave in any logical way, shape, or form in all of this. I get it. Your son has betrayed you. You're crying. This is going to good look, buddy. Uh, I'm sorry. But the one thing that got me about all of this 
was the after school special slash straight from Beverly Hills 90210 <laughs> schoolyard scene with Triple H <laughs> and Rey Mysterio right outside dressing room number four, aka Triple H's <laughs> locker room that the uh, security guards were just outside because it's a uh, highly dangerous, uh, highly dangerous area. Well, you know. Rey Mysterio has no other option, but he's got to quit. He came to SmackDown to tell Triple H that he's got to quit. And Triple H, apoplectic. We got to talk about this, buddy. There's got to be another solution. There's got to be. Why don't you come inside? We'll, we'll spend five minutes. Right then and there, it's like, hey, man, you want to come to work at SmackDown? Sure, that'd be great. We didn't have to roll this out. I get the dramatic tension to get to the main event. But there was just one of these things like, we are all so dumb for thinking that he would not just come over to SmackDown and be like, hey, dude, we go a long way back. I got to figure my stuff out with my kid, uh, but I can't do it on Raw in front of everybody. So can I work here, figure that out, and then maybe uh, maybe one day we'll get this all figured out? Triple H would be like, yeah, cool. Hey, no problem. Yes, I know it's a conflict. I know they got to ice the Dominic thing for a little while. But, man... <laughs> I don't know if Ray winning a match to be fed to Gunther is really the next step in the rehabilitation program of saving Ray Mysterio and making him look like the uh, the hero in this story for anyone's sake. Ray Mysterio is scared of his son. I never thought I would say the words on this show, but it's true. He ran from his son and went to SmackDown as if Judgment Day can't get a hall pass to SmackDown to visit and torment Ray on any given night. But that's besides the point. We'll get to SmackDown eventually because I got more things to say. But Scott, what are your thoughts on Ray Mysterio running from his son, avoiding a beatdown, and let it be known that Linda, Linda McMahon, popped Stephanie in the face after Stephanie slapped her mama on SmackDown 20-something years ago. Even Linda the Robot would not stand for such disrespect. What are my thoughts? What do you mean? He's an awful father. This doesn't surprise. <laughs> this doesn't surprise me. This is this is right in line with what I would expect for this man to do. Let me tell you something. The Miz may have been in the worst segment this week, but he wasn't the worst father this week. I can tell you that much. Um, it's. I mean, I. What more is there to say? The guy. The guy is just crying on. You know, sitting on the ring apron and crying and. You know, Dominic and, and Rhea over there, like, Rhea getting turned on by Dominic popping his pops. She's like, whoa, look at that. I got a man over here, huh? It's it's a bit ridiculous for me. As a father, it's just a bit ridiculous <laughs> at the notion that my son would smack me in the face and me not get up and whoop that boy's ass. Like, just just the thought of me like not taking my belt off or taking my shoe off or grabbing whatever is near me and whooping that boy's tail if he ever did in public in public at a grocery store if he did that he's getting he's getting his tail tore up he did that in front of 20 15,000 people and Nash, come on man what i might go to jail I might go to jail for swear. I'm, the the mom might have to call me. Hey, hey, what are you doing, Dad? Come on, I, what? The, I mean, it's just it's absolutely ridiculous. As a father, when you put it like that, 
14,000 people saw you get bitched out by your son. And, you and millions around the world. Oh, my God. That's even worse. At least 2.2 million people watched you get bitched out by your child. And you cried on the apron. Oh, my God. How could Dominic do I this mean, me? the thing that someone will do in the name of nepotism, it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> I just feel like there are other ways that we can get to the final. Like, I I feel like there were other ways to get to, hey, Ray, you want to come to SmackDown? Like, maybe a, a loser leaves Raw match or, you know, I just feel like there were other ways to get here. I'd be very curious to see just how much creative input uh, one Ray Mysterio has in this entire thing. Because if he's 100% behind all of this stuff, uh, not not my vote for Booker of the Year. However, Booker of the Year. Just... <laughs> Booker of the Year. <laughs> However, if he is going along with the flow because there's a greater picture and this is, this is to serve masters at this point, well, he's a good soldier. And uh, I, I guess you're Teflon enough if you're Ray Mysterio and at this age that... Uh, being a bad father still won't ruin your career. <laughs> I mean, listen, the, the the saving grace is that we're putting it on ice for a bit. You're going to revisit it sometime next year, just in time for WrestleMania. WrestleMania. It makes sense. <laughs> sorry. It, sorry, sorry. It makes sense. We're doing long form storytelling here. He's going to hit Dominic. I would hope at the Royal Rumble at the earliest to just knock some sense into him. <laughs> he has to. You have to eliminate your son. You cannot let your son eliminate you. That would be some bullshit of the highest order. Like at some point, you're going to have to snap on this kid and whoop his ass. And it will happen. I, I believe that. I'd love if he had a New Year's resolution and then popped him in day one. That would, that would be actually, that, awesome. Yeah, yeah, that would actually be. And now, and, and I don't also get some um, Titus O'Neil counseling sessions <laughs> as, as the like father of the year. If I don't, you know, with some Kofi Kingston cameos. And like, like fathers should just be cameoing uh, Titus O'Neil is counseling him and just random people just come in. Like, yeah, Ray, this is how you be a father and showing them doing wholesome things. But give me Roman Reigns doing the teapot with his daughter instead of what Ray Mysterio is doing right now with like, you know, that's, that's all. Go I'm find saying. the Steiners. Go get the Steiners for uh father talk. <laughs> hey, any, any, any father talk that we're going to get is going to be better than what Ray Mysterio is doing right now. But I absolutely need to get some Titus O'Neil sessions. I mean, all of this talk has given me the thought that one day we're going to see Braun Breaker versus Dominic Mysterio. And uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Ooh, it's not the pray, worst thing. We pray Dominic's better by then. Because Braun's going to be the same. I don't. Vet. I don't. <laughs> wow. Hey, that's actually that's actually match number 1331 on uh, my 1500. I know, right? <laughs> I was going to ask you next. Wow. I had to. I was going to be. Wow. But still behind. Still behind Maurice. But I get it. I get it. Wow. It's. Uh, it's still farther down the line. I'm not gonna lie, I had that one ready when the because we had I, I, for the Miz the segment chamber. that was supposed to be on here. I had it ready, but then we cook, took the Miz one off. So I was like, all right, I can swap it right here. Had one loaded in the chamber. I love it. <laughs> you know, Jeremy is a special kind of hater. I don't want him to improve at all. I want him to suck forever. I want him to hit that plateau, never reach another level, oh. and let Braun Breaker just demolish his ass for that. I respect the hater raid. I really do. 
I mean, the only other thing that I would say about this is that Dominic has a very particular kind of heel heat. And it's a two, ki- two kinds, actually. It's the one that he gets from the audience, and it's also the one he gets on his cheek when he's under Rhea's heel. Ooh. So that's going to be pretty special on his part to see just how far he can carry that momentum. Well, we see how he carries it on Mondays. And for the record, as always, Damien Priest is in the room. <laughs> weirdo. What a what a weirdo. What a what a weirdo. He takes what he wants, including his space in the room. All right, guys? <laughs> I, I mean, like, it's just that's just what all right, whatever. Whatever. Look, look, there are there are some places where there's no judgment. Yeah, there. you're hey, you're right, you're right, you're right. To he's just over. supervising. That's all he's doing. Yeah. No judgment here, guys. No judgment here. Is he wearing the mask Finn Balor hat too while he's watching? <laughs> is that is that what's going on too? Are we are we just gonna is that where Finn Balor actually? I got did look the at that mask hey. long enough to know that there was one visual eye hole in that thing. Yes. And I was like, pretty cool, pretty cool. So Finn could see his way with one eye down the ring. And that's all that matters. Some vision, somewhat, and Damian Priest is in the room wearing that mask, supervising. Oh my god. Hey, somebody's gonna have the safe word in there. I'm just saying. No doubt. You know. So it's judgment day, not judgment night. Well, it could be Dom's Judgment Night if he's, you know, things happening like that back there. I'm just saying. Under Rhea heel heat. Oh, my God. (sighs) Okay. This show took a turn. It's not even by me. I'm not the one saying this. Jeremy is. I've corrupted him. But we're going to move on to more Judgment Day on this show. Speaking of Finn Balor. Finn Balor is talking to Uncle Alan, AJ Styles, because he has an ultimatum for AJ. Join me, or like Rey Mysterio, you too will get your ass beat, and like Edge, you too will quit, like he did at Extreme Rules a few days ago, and somehow Edge quit into a Disney Plus bag. Congratulations to him, by the way. So AJ comes out, and he says, you know what, you're right. I need my family. I need my friends. I need my brothers. I take the knee. I bow to you. I'm here to join Judgment Day. And Finn is hugging AJ. He's happy, saying you made the right decision. And AJ's face says it all, saying, you know what? I'm not rocking with you guys. I'm not talking about you. And Finn's face breaks. And we hear the music of the Good Brothers. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, they come out to a huge pop, the highest quarter of the show. They're over. It's a huge ovation. They beat down Judgment Day. Rhea takes Dominic. They run. They flee from the scene. And it ends with Finn Balor being chased down by AJ Styles and the Good Brothers. And I thought this was a very good segment. It resets the table a bit to get Rey Mysterio out of the picture for a while. And it gives us Judgment Day versus the OG Bullet Club. I'm here for We've been kind of clamoring for this for at least five years now. I was always irritated when we had the initial draft in 2016 and they broke up AJ, Luke, Gallows, and Carl Anderson for whatever reason. It was very stupid when they were very good together on Monday Night Raw. But they're back together after they were released by WWE during the early days of the pandemic a couple of years ago. And I like this realignment. It's going to be a lot of fun seeing how all these factions mix it up heading into Survivor Series. Heading to Survivor Series because as I mentioned earlier, we have, we have a few factions here that can be in that match. We don't know exactly how it's all going to line up, but I'm intrigued by the Good Brothers and AJ Styles feuding with Judgment Day for now, Scott. 
I'll be honest, I don't really care about the Good Brothers. Um, <laughs> I thought the return was great, though. Like, I thought the segment was really good. They're, I can't deny the pop, and they looked good there, but I I just don't care about them. And shout out to our, 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 good, our fellows over there at uh, Brace for Impact, Mike and JD. I've been on that show a couple times, so I've... Un- well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you view it, I've gotten to watch the Good Brothers. I've gotten to watch Bright Lights Carl and Regular Lights Carl. So, you know, it's, I just, they just don't do a lot for me, man. Like, I I haven't missed them. I've been seeing them. You know what I mean? And maybe that's why I don't have the excitement that the, the WWE, you know, the fans had when, he, when they came out. Like, because they were excited. Like, they was like, oh, okay. For me, I was like, ah, it's cool. Nah, you know, I was actually more intrigued with AJ joining Judgment Day. To be honest with you, I was really looking forward to that. I thought, damn, that's a nice little stable you got there now. So, it I, we'll see what happens. It's cool, you know, but I really don't care about the Good Brothers right now. I can get that, and I will be honest and say that when they were in AEW, I hated them. I hated their gimmick. I hated them constantly interfering on behalf of Kenny Omega. I hated the, I hated the masturb- the masturbation jokes on BTE. I hated all of that shit. So I wasn't a big fan of them in AEW, but I do like their run mostly in, a, in in WWE until they broke up with AJ Styles and after that it was kind of floundering for a bit. But I do like them when they're used properly and they're not being sophomoric. So peers hoping they don't get on my nerves during this next run in WWE. But Jeremy, what's your thoughts on the Good Brothers return and helping AJ Styles against Judgment Day? So I feel like this was my true calling for being on the show this week. Uh, you, as people may or may not know, uh, I do a show for the Fight Game Media Network on the YouTube channel called uh, Speaking of Strong Style, which pretty much talks all New Japan all the time, uh, anything adjacent to it, including the Good Brothers. So uh, Monday, Monday was the day before we recorded, and I had to watch Declaration of Power, then New Japan Strong, and this took about six hours because of how long everything went. Carl Anderson is in the main event of New Japan Strong. And then I find out, oh, no, I can't stop watching because I have to watch Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows just debuting on WWE Raw, thus pulling a Rick Rude on me. This is great. And then I think, wait a minute. Isn't Carl Anderson a title holder in New Japan right now? Why, yes, he is. He just beat Hiroshi Tanahashi and retained his title. This is great. How is this going to work out? And uh, heel over there, Bullet Club, he's not a heel here. Everything seems to be acknowledged, kind of wink, wink, but uh, he's here to stay. It, that is by far the most interesting part of it to me is the cooperation between Triple H's regime and New Japan and kind of a testing of the waters. I kind of expect Carl Anderson to drop the never open weight title, which is their current version of like an intercontinental title, hopefully to Hikaleo, because if he doesn't on November 5th, he is going to be walking around uh, holding a title for one promotion while he that he is not contracted to, by the way while he is contracted to another promotion. So it's interesting to see where everything goes right now because the stuff behind the scenes is infinitely more interesting than what the Good Brothers have going on right now against Judgment Day. That seems by the numbers, but the politics behind it to me is way more interesting. 
And the fact that New Japan World retweeted WWE's tweet as soon as it happened. And Jay White did as well. I know, and he acknowledged it, and he was very complimentary of what happened. So there is like a forbidden door cracking for WWE in New Japan. There is a working agreement to get the title off of Anderson, but could there be a possibility of more things to come if you got that line of communication open? I got a I got a quick question. Did you say Tanahashi lost to Carl Anderson? Yes. Oh my God. Uh, it was about a month a uh, month ago, back in September. It, they've been feuding. They uh, I given the fact that Anderson did not have a contract and everything. It it is incredibly incredibly surprising to me. But uh, you know what? If nothing else. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are businessmen. It's only business, bro. That's how they work. That blew my mind. That okay. It wasn't. A, it was Carl Anderson worked hard because he was in the mat in the match with Tanahashi. But uh, when he's in New Japan, he is not. He is not impact Carl Anderson. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. He does try, and for that. I can respect that. And that he works for a paycheck. He, that he does. <laughs> Indeed he does. And he's working for it one more time for New Japan in a few weeks' time as we move on to Brock Lesnar's return on Monday Night Raw, surprisingly so, as he goes after Bobby Lashley. Because let's not forget, at the Warrior Rumble, Bobby Lashley was more than happy to take the help from Roman Reigns to win back the WWE championship from Brock Lesnar. And in doing so, he took some gnarly German suplexes on his shoulder. And once again, he got jumped by Brock and took more Germans on his shoulder straight away. And that is not how you take that bump because you're going to hurt yourself again, Bobby. Be careful. He eats a couple of F5s. He gets locked in the Kimura. He gets his ass beat by Brock Lesnar. And this is probably leading to a match in Saudi Arabia for Crown Jewel between Lashley and Lesnar Part 2. I'm looking forward to it, but I want Bobby to take these suplexes as safely as possible as he takes a worldwide trip to Suplex City. But this leads to Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. And Rollins is goading Bobby into this fight, even bringing up Bobby's military background, saying, you don't want to be a quitter. You don't want to be a disgrace to your country. So Bobby gets in the ring, bat shoulder and all, and Seth counters a spear with the pedigree. And Bobby fights back with the spear of his own. The hurt lock does not work because of the bad shoulder. And Seth lands some forearm strikes front and back, followed by two curb stomps to become the new United States champion. And all of our Survivor Series hopes and dreams are dashed because we ain't getting Gunther and Bobby title, title, champion versus champion. That's all up in smoke right now. But Seth is a champion in WWE for the first time in almost three years good for him it's a way to have that belt be the worksman be the worksman title with seth as champion he'll have great matches on monday nights and as for bobby and brock they should have a fun match but well i'm gonna miss my gunther match that i'm not gonna get now survivor series because it's not brand versus brand or champion versus champion it makes me a little sad but one day we'll get that match jeremy one day we'll get that match 
How many times do Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins seem to orbit each other in WWE? Every time there's like a big angle, both of them seem to be involved in some way, shape, or form with like an orbit orbiting title change. And I always find it interesting that they always seem to do that dance with each other. But uh, Bobby Lashley, oh man, Good thing you got your win the first time against Brock because it ain't happening a second time. Uh, if you're healthy enough to do it after those German suplexes on his shoulder, my goodness. Uh, I'm looking forward to this match. I I hate these blood money PLEs, but I can't argue that they're not making a compelling uh, card for me to want to watch. I... What does Brock Lesnar do from here on out? Like, it's going to be Lashley. It's going to be this guy and that. Is he just going to be going through the up-and-coming big men? Like, it just one day he's going to do Cody? It just What is, what is Brock Lesnar's future in all this? That, that's my question. Well, I petitioned an idea, but that was before Bobby lost the championship to Seth, that if Brock won the title, be Gunther versus Lesnar at Survivor Series, that's dead. But the best next thing I have is this, or the next best thing. I have an idea for WrestleMania. Let's plan ahead. <laughs> I want four of the biggest horses you can possibly assemble for a championship match, either for the United States title or Intercontinental Championship. Give me Brock versus Sheamus versus Gunther versus Bobby, and I'm good. I am sold. You can have me night one or two. I got a ticket to the house. That's what I want to see. That's what you can do with Brock Lesnar to keep him interesting, facing the baddest horses in WWE. But unfortunately, Scott, your dream of Bobby versus Gunther will not happen at Survivor Series due to him losing the United States Championship this past Monday. But he was highly protected in defeat by getting his ass whooped and fighting violently against Seth Rollins despite the L. Yeah, he was, but he was still a dumb baby face. He should have just been like, he should have just been like, yo, I like I'll I'll see you. I'll see you. Just give me like twenty minutes. Give me ten minutes. Give me ten like, ask for ten minutes. Give me just go to another match and give me I'll see you at the end of the night. Like, no, he's still a dumb baby face. But um that being said, I I I do <sighs> The segment I liked, I liked the way Brock Lesnar came out. And if we remember back when they first, you know, had their face to face and Brock Lesnar made the infamous knock knock joke of Bobby who. (laughs) Well, this this time he acknowledged exactly who Bobby was. Bobby Lashley. I I, that was a nice touch before he gave him the F5. And so I I like that that little that little thread that I don't I don't know if they noticed it, but that's a little thread that I thought was a nice touch. Um I so I think with Rollins winning the title, him versus Gunther could be just as good as Gunther versus Sheamus. I think it I think that match could be incredible. I still wanted Lashley versus Gunther, but I I think the match would be better with Rollins. I the whole thing with Lashley and Lesnar is I I really think we talked about how they've been elevating these titles and making these titles mean something. Well, you really want to make the U.S. title seem like it's important, then you should have had Brock Lesnar say, well, you, you're you the reason I lost my title. I'm going to take your title. That, I mean, do you, now the title's not in the picture. It's like, okay, well, now it makes sense why they're going to have the match because Brock can win and he doesn't have to have the U.S. title. So I, I get it, but those are little things that you do 
that show that that title's not it's not on the level of a world title when you've been doing what you've been doing the last few weeks is trying to elevate it to me this takes it back a couple steps um one thing i i think could be interesting here is omos also has a match versus braun Strowman at or i think that i don't know if it's been confirmed but that's the rumor that they're gonna have a match at crown jewel and lashley and lesnar have a match at crown jewel i'm hoping that they both lose their matches and MVP goes to both of them and like, look at what y'all two have doing on your own. Think about what y'all two could do together and, and, and reform the Hurt Business with the heel Bobby Lashley. And I think because Lashley's going to need something to do after this. He's going to need a goal. And I, for some reason, they're not going to do him versus Reigns because they had the opportunity way back when and they didn't do it then. And I don't think they're going to do it now. But I think you could reform the Hurt Business under this new regime and you want to talk about a a big man with a serious heavy who doesn't need it. Lashley with a monster Omos behind him, that's a very imposing picture right there with MVP and his cane just grinning with his shades on in a nice pink suit. I, I that's a that's a wonderful shot right there. So I, that's kind of where I'm hoping this is going. Cause I fully expect Lesnar to win as well. And I'm hoping that that's kind of I think that would be a nice end game and would give Omos something to do because he's not going to be a single star. He's not going to be a top guy, but he could be a great heavy for a Bobby Lashley and MVP. Scott, you mentioned um, you mentioned the titles not being on the level as a result of the way this all played out, and it kind of made me think of something. You know what this was? Was Triple H's trial run in a Money in the Bank cash-in? Hmm. How so? Explain. Well, everything about it was basically cashing in on a title uh, at an opportune moment in which a face was left vulnerable and basically you showed Austin Theory how it was supposed to be done. Essentially, he came in there, he goaded it, he got the referee, he got everything he wanted, he lined up his shot, and he got he got the guy vulnerable in a face situation and he cashed in his shot and he got a title out of it. It was essentially a money in the bank cash in. That's a really unique and very interesting way of looking at it. And honestly, it's spot on. Yeah, because everything about that, if you if if there's a world title and somebody came out with a briefcase, it would go exactly the same way. Same beat. Exactly the same way. From known professional cash inner, Seth Rollins. Right. Good call there too. Yeah. It's what he does. Heist of the century, probably one of Michael's greatest calls on commentary that still holds today. So it all makes sense. Great observation, Jeremy. Very true. Austin Theory could never, he would never do it as accurately as this. He will fail. He could only theorize it. He can't, he, he can't even theorize it. it. You've been on it tonight. You've been on it tonight. Spicy. The puns, Not salty. Spicy. The puns tonight. He can't even theorize it, though. He has no hope of winning a championship. But I could be wrong because... As I said, it's going to be Atlanta versus Atlanta, Cody versus Austin Theory. And I spooked Scott last month by saying, go Austin. And he was like, what? And I'm like, I'm kidding. Never will I forsake Cody Luther King. I will never do it. Never, ever, ever. But I'm very happy for Seth. He's got a title. Bobby will be fine. But I did notice on SmackDown that Omas elevated his suit game, which might lead credence to Scott's theory that the Hurt Business could be reunited very soon. That was by far Omas's finest suit to date. I just want to clarify that. That boy was clean. He was. 
It was that's a, fitted. And that's a big suit, too, to be that clean. Fitted. Yeah, yeah. Not a wrinkle in sight. You go, Omas. You look good on Friday. MVP been mentoring that guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He took him to the nicest, finest store, and he got that suit tailor-made for him. Talk about a high-thread count. <sighs> a lot. <laughs> As we move on to NXT, no longer 2.0, going down live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And I want to highlight the best of three series between Nathan Fraser and Axiom. And I thought their final match on Tuesday was spectacular. It was full of high-flying, great counters. Axiom is working. Hit the toe in that mask because he's got to project something. He can't project the face, but damn it, he's projecting body. And Howie is going to put it on Nathan Fraser via submissions and counters in their falls. It was a great showcase for both men. Booker T on commentary was pretty good on Tuesday, adding to the action and the storytelling throughout this match. Nathan Fraser won with the roll-up as he would move on to the North American Championship ladder match next Saturday at Halloween Havoc on Peacock. And I'm looking forward to that match. And it's going to be a high-flying spectacle with Von Wagner being the base. Hopefully he does his job properly. But I thought this was a really nice showcase for the future of NXT. And I will be on a live mic and say the following. Nathan Fraser is invited to the table for Cheddar Biscuits, Scott. Really? Yes, really. All right. Hey, all right. That's cool. Um, I didn't see that coming. Either. That's that's almost a, that one almost caught me as off guard as a Sami Zayn one. But at least <laughs> Sami Zayn's funny. You know, I, 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 humor I get. Humor can, you know, it's like, all right, he's a funny guy. But all right, that's cool. Um, yeah, the match was great. The match was fantastic. I thought this was I thought this this best of three series for me personally when it comes to Nathan Frazier has really shown a aggressive side. Like I've seen more aggression out of him in these matches than I've seen before and a lot of really great fire. Um the counters were great. Axiom's matches are a little his a lot of his counters are different than what you see, and I appreciate that. It, it does make it feel like he's calculating and doing kind of the math because he counters so much. So that's I like how they've kind of incorporated that into his moveset. Um, but, yeah, I, the match was was absolutely fantastic. And Nathan Frazier could be a very fun babyface, but he's got to – I'm still missing, like, something about his – he's still going to have to cut that promo. There's always going to have to cut that promo – or just, or you know, that for me, that's what I'm missing from him. Is I haven't heard him cut that promo, or even cut a promo where I'm like, all right, he seems real comfortable on the mic, but in the ring, he's flawless. Absolutely, and I cannot wait in two to three years when he moves up to the main roster and he meets his mentor, his adopted father, Seth Rollins, and the magic they will produce eventually. That could be a great story down the road if WWE's committed to it. So, Jeremy, what's your thoughts on Axiom versus Nathan Fraser, part three in their best of three series? You know, when, when they had their first match, they're like, that was pretty good. And then they said they were going to have another one. I'm like, why? And they're like, oh, that was also pretty good. And then they're like, we're going to go two, two out of three. And I'm like, why? Okay. And then they did it. And I'm like, that's why you went two out of three. Cause every match just got better and better and better. And they had storytelling building on top of it. 
you know, when ben, Nathan Frazier uh, showed up, I almost called him Ben Carter and Paul Fontaine would kill me. <laughs> but uh, it, Nathan Frazier came to NXT. There was that there was one of the original bidding wars between him and AEW. He looked like he gained about 15, 20 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. And it just like he he's got almost everything. And I agree with Scott. He still does seem like just another guy in that uh like window of a generation that they call uh generations of wrestling but he he's got a lot and he's got a little bit more to go but if there if there's a if there's stock to put in a guy i would i would put a lot of stock into nathan frazier axiom a kid I, I, I see a ceiling to this gimmick. Uh, I theorize another ceiling to that gimmick, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but he he's so good. He's so, he is so good. And, but get rid of get rid of this gimmick. It is it is not viable long term. And if you're able to get a cool math theory over with the WWE crowd. Uh, you can read the room much better than I can, but boy, this doesn't seem like something that is going to be a long-term winner of a gimmick. That's my worry too. And I love a kid and he has a great face. Take the mask off. It reminds me of the early days of the dark order. Like, why are we hiding Alex Reynolds? That's kind of dumb. Just unmask the person, please. We're good here. So I think if you do that, he's able to project his personality more and get over. He was already doing that when he came over to NXT USA earlier this year, and he was over. People connected with him. They saw his face, and you can't do much with that mask. Then you can't express you can't express yourself the way that you want to. But fortunately, the work is good. But as you mentioned, there is a ceiling to this gimmick. A mathematician by day, a superhero by night. It's a stretch. And it's not going to have any sustainability on this show or the main roster if they stick with it long term. Next up is a triple threat match to determine the number one contender for Pretty Deadly's NXT Tag Team Championship. It was Aegis Anofe and Malik Blade versus the Dyads, Rip Fowler and Jagger Reed versus Brooks and Dunn, Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. And I got to call out Briggs and Jensen. This might have been their best performance as a tag team. Ever. I really loved Josh Briggs in this match. Ass kicker, big house extraordinaire, whooping ass accordingly. Jensen wasn't that bad either after he dished the Daisy Dukes, thank God, because that was a look that was awful. But at the end of the day, Cameron Grimes is going to deliver the cave-in to Joe Gacy, bootleg Bray Wyatt, Kevin Owens Light, and that's going to lead to Idris Nofe rolling up Jagger Reed to pick up the win for his team. And they will face pretty deadly for the NXT Tag Team Championship. And I know that Scott has felt a way about Blade and Anofe for a while. And I'm trying to see if he approves of this win for this up and coming tag team on NXT. Nah, I'm not a fan of Outcast getting the win and uh, <laughs> oh and moving God. on to uh, challenging uh pretty deadly who i think is an absolutely fantastic tag team for the titles um (laughs) i will say that i thought briggs looked fantastic as well i thought his hot tag was great that uh where he bounced old boy off the ropes and came right into a lariat that was nasty still not rocking with jack off jensen but um (laughs) yeah i mean the, the match was fine it was a it was a 
a, a fine three-way, a lot going on. The crowd really enhanced it. They got fired up. But, uh, yeah, not a fan of um, three stacks and big boy challenging for the titles. I cannot believe you compared them to Outcast of all groups, of all duos. How could you, Miss Jackson? Ooh. Ooh. I am for real, though. Never meant to make your daughter cry. <laughs> so. But Rey Mysterio did because he's an awful father. <laughs> so he doesn't. I care. don't know if he's ever going to apologize a trillion times. <laughs> Look what we have started. Is it forever, ever? Forever, ever? Forever, ever? Is, is that how it's going to go here? <laughs> well, unlike Ray, at least they're so fresh and so clean, clean. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. And that includes. And that concludes and includes the outcast references on this show, courtesy <laughs> of Scott Young, who compared Aegis Enofe and Malik Blade <laughs> to Big Boy and Andre 3000. Hey, y'all, how about that? Shake it like a Polaroid picture. I like the way you move. Stankonia. They think they got it. Oh, they think they got it. Hey, the speaker box and love below. I mean, why not? I feel like an 18 alien right now. Okay, stop it. Stop it. Stop it, me. Stop it right now. Okay, Jeremy, save us. Drifting. You know, once it starts, it doesn't stop. So your thoughts on Outcast winning a shot. You can't even say it without laughing. How about... How about another little jingle to talk about the real winners in the room on this one? Two, four, six, eight. What team do I appreciate? Pretty deadly. Yes, boy. The oh, best. my goodness. They made this segment <laughs> Absolutely. with their sports, uh, the sports gimmick before and after. Uh, Brooke and Jensen, uh, Brooke Jensen, Josh Briggs. They were the house of fire. The dyad did their job. Edric Anofe and Malik Blade. I really, really liked how concerned Pretty Deadly was that they had won. I thought that sold their viability more than anything else. But that just goes right back to this whole thing. Pretty Deadly are the stars of the entire tag team division. Uh, I know a lot of people were pretty down on their uh, British Invasion promo last week. I was dying during the whole thing. I loved the whole damn thing. And then this week, I was like, just give me all Pretty Deadly all the time. I love it. They are going. I hope they make all the money in the world. They're they're fantastic. Uh, everything about it. I don't see an Elfie and Blade winning the titles against them because, frankly, Pretty Deadly should never lose the titles at this point. So that's where I stand. I love Pretty Deadly. I stand Pretty Deadly. Two, four, six, eight. That's the team I appreciate. We all appreciate them. I love them. They're the best. They're going to be a tremendous asset to the main roster someday. I adore Kit Wilson and Elton Prince. Their faces, the jokes, the inside <laughs> puns. I adore them. The vignette from two weeks ago of them working out together, eating together, sleeping together. Sleeping together. It was art. It was a piece that should be submitted for Emmy Awards, honestly. It was that good. I appreciated that two-minute digital skit from NXT. Jeremy Borash, you're under check that week, sir, for a job. Well done. This was the same company that did Billy and Chuck. I will say the wedding was awesome. Just what a what 
what a transition over two decades. It really is. I mean, you look at yeah. really today's wrestling and scissor me daddy and we got pretty deadly in bed together. It's, it's refreshing. What a world. What a world we're living in. <laughs> and yet it's nothing is burning down in the wrestling world. I know. It's no catastrophes, no disasters, no protests. It's amazing. Looks like people are okay with it. I know. Weird. It's a brand new world, I tell you. As we move on to my guiltiest pleasure on NXT, I don't know if the boys agree with me, but I love Kiana James. You know, I've been on this show for almost a year now, and I've read NXT about having the side hustles and the jobs when you're supposed to be a wrestler. But for some reason, I love Kiana's commitment to being whatever the hell she's supposed to be. Is she a real estate agent? Is she a appraiser? Is she a statistician? What is her job? I'm trying to figure it out, but whatever she does, it involves money and numbers, facts and figures, as she's trying to buy the property of Chase University on behalf of a mystery buyer. I love this. The assistant that she has, I'm not going to lie, it feels like a scene out of Brazzers. I can't deny <laughs> I can't you deny that. You said it? I was like, I don't know how to talk about it. Listen, it's, it's right there. I see them. It's unavoidable. And all I can think about is Brazzers. And we have that connection on Twitter with Brazzers and WWE. Dolph Ziggler shot out Brazzers years ago. Brazzers saying we could do it better when it came to the finish of The Fiend and Seth Rollins and Hell in a Cell. So there's a connection there. But outside of that, I do love how Kiana James gives me full-on glow from the 1980s and wow from the first reboot back in the early 2000s. I love this. It's campy fun. She's committed, and that's all I care about. If you're committed to this shit like Tony D is committed to being a gangster and a mafia boss, I respect the hustle. So Kiana James, you get a gold star from me for a job well done minus the Brazzers aspects of it all. What are your thoughts, Jeremy, on Kiana James trying to buy Chase U? Everything about this is delightful. Uh, hinting at like all these tropes and things that people are kind of ashamed to admit that they know. You know, there there's a very strong like late night HBO vibe to what's going on with her and. Uh, I just, I was a teenager growing up, had HBO. Like, you'd watch it and there'd be like, this, you know, bikini car wash. You're like, that's cool. Look, watch that. That's kind of like the, the plot that we're getting with Kiana James right now is the clothed scenes in a movie like that, which, you know, like, there's humor to that. There, there's legit just like terrible aspect of it that you cannot help but enjoy. But the other funny thing about it is, I've totally figured out what her what her character is, and it's Lex Luthor's assistant. <laughs> She's basically playing Mercy Graves, which is doing all a super smart Jill Jack of all trades that can do whatever whenever you need to accomplish the goals of the mystery evil benefactor that they have. It's all right there. I'm just like. 
Aichi. She she's so smart. She can figure out what land to identify this, this, and that. Plug in the tablet, come out with the formula, and this is the best way to make money no matter who gets affected along the way. It's all like low-level super villain, super villainry. I love it. Everything is fantastic about this. It's so dumb. Kiana James is all in on it. Keep it up. I approve. Who knew she was working for Luthacor? Now we know, thanks to Jeremy, that she is an evil assistant trying to buy Chase U for, nefar- for nefarious purposes. So Scott, do you join us in praising the hijinks of Kiana James and her very attractive assistant? Yeah, I'm 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 with you as far as she can have cheddar biscuits. That's definitely on the table for her. Um you know, now 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 we're talking about cheddar biscuits. Like now I'm with you. I get it. Yeah. They her and the assistant can both have cheddar biscuits and they can even order something off the uh menu. I'll have a salad at that dinner. Um but uh <laughs> as far as the the match and all that stuff, I don't remember anything about the match except for that reverse um uh, the reverse, uh, what's it, sling blade that she hit as the finish. I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. The, the character work, I, it's just there for me. It doesn't really do a lot, but uh, I, I think she's a very, a very fine looking young woman who can definitely come to Red Lobster with us. And Scott's even gonna buy salad because he's not a cheap bastard this time. I'm not buying no salad. I'm gonna buy a Coke. <laughs> I'll buy a Coke and we can split dessert, but I'm not buying no salad. You better give me, I am not getting no special salad. I want the house salad that comes with it. And I want some extra ranch. A lot of hard shell going to get cracked that night. Let's see. Let's see. For two at the table. For two at the table. Which two? I don't know exactly. We'll figure it out. Because Scott's not buying anything. and He's leaving early. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay to the very end. I'm still. I'm gonna stay to the very end and look at him as he looks like that's all you're getting. Yep, that's it. Can I get a refill and one to go? (laughs) A disappointment. I don't know him. I don't know where he came from. That's how you treat the table. I'm hangry, and you're hangry by being frugal. Too frugal (laughs) at the table. You can't even get like an appetizer. Not even buffalo wings or something. You're despicable. I got my appetizer, the cheddar biscuits. Oh, God. <laughs> Terrible. Okay. Enough Red Lobster plugs. One more NXT topic, which is why in the hell I have to see JB McDonough in this match when I want to see Ilya Dragunov and Braun Breaker one-on-one for the NXT Championship at Halloween Havoc. You had your shot, dude. You lost. Move on. The real heat, the real drama is Dragunov Breaker, part one of many, I hope, for this championship. Scott, do you feel the same way as I do? Do you want to see a triple threat or do you want to see a singles match between two great guys that will beat the hell out of each other in the best possible way? So I'm kind of torn on it because I agree with you on the match as far as Dragunov and Braun. I think that would be a really great physical match. And I think Dragunov can bring another level of physicality out of Braun. But I really like what JD is doing with his character. Like I... I really enjoy the way like he talks about the matches and talks about the pain and just I I I like his character like when he besides the fact that his head looks like it's floating while his body's walking besides that effect 
I really like I genuinely do enjoy his character. And I, I like the whole the ace gimmick that he has and don't now the one thing that was pissing me off during that segment was Booker T calling that dude a kid every time he referred to him. This kid, this kid, this kid, this kid like guy like that dude's not a kid. Like he's not twenty something like he's not twenty something, right? He's gotta be in his thirties, but he's not a kid. He's not a kid. I, I get what you're saying, but you don't have to keep saying kid, 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 kid. Like, that ain't Axiom out there. You don't have to keep calling him a kid. That that, that, that really pissed me off about the segment. But I, I'm i torn on it because I, I really do like JD. And honestly, I think he might be the guy to take that title off of Braun. No. Hell no. I th- I wouldn't be what surprised, are you man. Out of here? Hey. Boo. Don't Boo. don't sleep on it. Don't sleep Boo. on it. Nope. I'm just saying. I've seen enough edit to UK to say boo. <laughs> you know, so I'm gonna cut Scott's mic off for the rest of this episode to even <laughs> speak such blasphemy on the mic. I don't want to see that. I, I don't want to be subjected to a JD McDonough title reign on any level. He needs to lose again. Give me Dragonoff over Breaker if it comes down to it. We'll see. But Jeremy, he's already disgusted by your comments to even suggest that JD has a shot. But Jeremy, what are your thoughts on this triple threat? And whether you are on my page and saying that we need this to be a singles match between Dragonoff and Breaker for the title. Yeah, J.D. McDonough is like adjacent to Austin Theory and the fact that they're trying to pass him off is anything better than that is uh, kind of feels like an insult to my intelligence. But hey, maybe there's something there to him that uh, that they're not showing me. But he ha- he he's a talented wrestler. He is not main event carry, carry the belt in NXT or anywhere else at this point. Uh, Braun Breaker and Ilya Dragunov is a mouth-watering matchup <laughs> when Ilya Dragunov returned a few weeks back I was like okay this is what I've been waiting for the promo that he had last week was fantastic his match with uh Grayson Waller wasn't exactly my favorite thing it didn't light the world on fire because it felt like it was just trying to be the Grayson Waller get his shit in match as opposed to uh really featuring Ilya Dragunov but ooh, that angle at the end with Braun Breaker laying him out. Uh, I didn't care for McDonough watching off in the background. I was like, okay, whatever. But those two, the the Braun Breaker not necessarily being the good guy because he sees how dangerous Ilya is. I am all about that story. Same here. Just minus JD who annoyed me as we just cut the camera to him at the end. Like really, that's our last impression of this show. JD clapping maniacally saying oh look what I did I caused all of this yay me I am a genius like whatever fine match would be really good if not great but I just would prefer to see Dragonoff versus Breaker putting in that work against each other at Halloween Havoc next Saturday on Peacock which would be reviewed right here on the Fiking Media Network early Sunday morning if all things go according to plan as we move on to last night's Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down live from the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana, excuse me. And, you know, we have to shout out big numbers for Liv Morgan. She was a great asset to the Fiking Media Network this past week. She's a draw, thanks to Scott, suggesting her for our clip. And now apparently she has an addiction to being extreme all the time. 
because I wanted an answer as to why she was smiling and laughing after she lost the SmackDown Women's Championship at Extreme Rules last weekend to Ronda Rousey. And we go to SmackDown and she's backstage attacking Sonya Deville because Sonya talked shit about Liv. And Liv proceeded to beat Sonya's ass. Sonya gets no offense in. Then Liv puts Sonya on a table and she climbs this uh, structure backstage and she delivers at least a good 12 foot drop a, a set on to Sonya through the table which sets up a match next Friday on Smackdown and I'm just intrigued as to where do we go from here is Liv gonna jump from tall shit from here on, from here on out is that what she is that her gimmick is that her new dark side of being extreme and jumping off very tall things now if she leaves the baseball bat at home and never uses the weapon, and quite frankly, the weapon is used against her, will be good. It, it might make Scott sad, but he'll be okay. But I do wonder how far we're going to take this character now as she's now embraced being extreme all the time besides the pay-per-view once a year. Well, I was told that I was a big dummy and that um, <laughs> this is all going to be a part of her story. Uh, you know, that, that's what someone told me when I suggested that I thought this was absolutely idiotic and that why should I care about her when she's just smiling about the title? And then we come to SmackDown and I'm like, all right, you know, maybe, maybe they'll explain. And maybe I missed it. I wasn't paying attention, but I don't remember her saying anything like, I can't wait to go back and get my title. Man, I got to go get my title. I don't remember any of that. I don't remember any of that. Um, and, uh, now essentially she's just Jeff Hardy. She's just jumping off stuff. It's just going to keep getting higher and higher and higher. Or she's the new Shane McMahon. We're not going to see Shane in WWE anymore. So <laughs> Triple H is like, hey, Liv, I got a great gimmick for you, and you will be over forever. Forever. And she's like, cool. And you know what? She's she's doing fine for now, but uh, she's going to be on Chucky next week because apparently she says she wants to be killed by a, by a toy. So instead of it being Lily, she's going to let the redhead do it. So I guess there's something there. Um, I I don't I think the whole thing is silly. I I you know, but we need live for for fight game media. So uh, shout out to Liv uh, Morgan. She's she's providing stats on stats on stats. No doubt, and no we doubt. appreciate it for that. I'm still on the fence. I did say I would give it five more days. I don't have a clear answer yet. So I need her to talk. Let me know what's up. Do you like jumping off high shit? Fantastic. Why? Do you like doing that every single week now? Will that be part of your arsenal moving forward that you are hardcore? Will you two go through sugar glass like Shane McMahon did against Kurt Angle all those years ago? I need answers, Liv. Will you now be the daredevil that Shane McMahon cannot be anymore with fucking up the Warrior Rumble earlier this year? Are you going to carry the tradition of being the daredevil for WWE? I need answers. I need an explanation as to what is your purpose. Why are you doing this? And you got... Six more days to give me an answer, but we'll see as we inch closer as to what the hell is going on with Liv Morgan post-Extreme Rules, Jeremy. So I had a couple of theories, and I'm going to save one of them for later because I think it's going to intersect with something else that we talk about. But the one I'm going to talk about right now is her ceiling was essentially capped with Rhonda in chasing her for that title. Everyone always looked at her kind of like, well, she's got it until Rhonda takes it from her. 
So now we have a scenario where she has to up her game a little bit. And in order to do so, she's going to go, as you say, extreme. So is she smiling because she's figured out what she needs to do to take it to the next level? I don't know. But it sure seems like it could be a good story. But what I would like is if she's going to go extreme like this, instead of carrying around a baseball bat, I think someone should give her the old uh, WWE hardcore title and have her carry that around and tell people that I'm only going to hold this until I win the world title again and make that a story that uh, she'll, she'll be the extreme champion until she she becomes the world champion again. And so you could make that her story, but I don't know if they would be willing to commit to that kind of callback storytelling. They're, they're getting brave, but that would be a, a cool way to go to make her stand out a little bit and have her carry that jagged, broken, extreme championship belt. That would be a twist. Hell, I'll take that over the 24-7 championship nonsense at this point. So it'd be something different. I will say that. And now, nah, you're not gonna take away my bat. Oh, yeah. You, you ain't. You're not. You're not gonna take away my thirst trap. So nah, she oh. gotta keep the bat. Oh. Okay, Rhea, possessive much now? Just saying. <laughs> she must keep. Is that in the contract? She must Absolutely. keep the bat. Oh my god. Signed, sealed, delivered. She's turning you out with that bat. Oh my goodness. I can understand though, because she was carrying that bat in a certain way a couple of weeks ago and uh she just need to fight with the bat can she just fight with the bat and not get beat by the bat that's all i'm saying the bat's a weird weapon for her it doesn't doesn't seem to fit like that's what i was saying like have that title have it like wear around her waist and, and something like that she could belt people like belt people across the head with it no pun intended uh it just it feels like a much more creative use of how they could how they could treat her and make her stand out in which like she's she's different than everybody else. Like she, she walks to the beat of her own drum kind of thing. I think she agrees with you because she, she put the bat down as soon as the match started. So I, I think she 100% <laughs> agrees with you. So swinging a miss, <laughs> you know, the puns on the show today have been top notch as we continue with part two of our burial of Rey Mysterio. Because as Jeremy mentioned earlier, he went to Triple H's office and said, you know what? Um, I don't want to be around my son. I don't want to whip his ass. I love him too much. <laughs> and I want to quit WWE. I want to quit. That's my solution. <laughs> I want to quit my job. So I'm going to have to beat my son's ass. And Triple H says, no, man, you got time left for your contract. We can't let you go. Come talk to me. We're gonna work the shoulder pat. The, the shoulder pat was the best. I have to say, I was looking at Triple H's face the entire time. He was trying so hard to laugh because this was so fucking ridiculous. Like, you gonna quit over your son? Really? <laughs> You're a terrible father. It was it was the concerned gym coach talking to the the JV guy that he wasn't going to be able to make the game today because he's got something going on at home. I did like Paul Fontaine's joke of saying, you know what? That's why Triple H is a better CEO than Tony Khan. He squashed this right in the butt immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Conflict resolution. Hey, you want to quit? Didn't end up on Twitter, I'll tell you that sure much. Sure didn't. Ray didn't go out there and say, you know what? Free me. You want to you wanna talk about the king of returns? Triple H had somebody quit and make a triumphant return on the same show. 
his power, I tell you, and gave him a free shot at the IC title at that. It was our main event prior to Bray Wyatt's return. It was Sheamus versus Ricochet versus Solo Sequoia versus Rey Mysterio, now a member of SmackDown because he fled from his son like a bitch. And the, win- <laughs> <laughs> and the winner will face Gunther for a shot at the IC title at a date to be determined. This was a really good match. Some fun stats. Sheamus and Ray have never shared a ring together in WWE. Never had a match until Friday. That was a fun stat. I love Solo and Sheamus getting into it. Of course, Ricochet and Ray provided great moments as well. At one point, the bloodline comes out to attack Sheamus until the brawling brutes come out to set up some kind of feud down the road between those two teams, which I'm looking forward to. Now, it comes down to Ray and Ricochet. We had great counters early on with Ricochet countering a springboard by Ray into a Northern Light suplex to a regular suplex. Then he counters a 619, only for Ray to land a head scissors driver that just torques the neck of Ricochet. Ray is 48 years old, and despite him being a shitty father, he is still a fantastic wrestler with magic stem cells running through those knees. His a 619, followed by the splash from the top rope to get a shot at the icy title against Gunther. So according to Ray, what do I want less? Do I want to beat my son's ass or do I want a shot at the icy title? And now what do I want more? To beat my son's ass or for me to get chopped and destroyed by Gunther? So he would prefer his soul being chopped out of his body versus beating his son's ass Definite choices, Scott. Definite choices indeed. Listen, man, I don't have much to say about Rey Mysterio. As a father, I, uh, I'm i highly disappointed in his actions. Uh, as a father, I am just, you know, I, 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 just, I just don't understand the mindset of, of running away from your problems. You know, if... Uh, you know, if you were going to run away from your problems, you should have ran away 24 years ago. Or you know what? You should have ran away 15 years ago in the ladder match. That's, that's what you should have did. Um, as a father, this is, these are just my thoughts as a father. Um, you know, again, there are belts everywhere. Um, everybody around you had a belt. Somebody could have gave you a belt. So that's that. There are kendo sticks under the ring. Chairs everywhere. There's a ring bell. Um, so... There's just no excuse for this. Uh, and then uh, for you to to let Triple H just patronize you like that, you know, I, as a man, you know, it's, I don't know, man. I, I, I How can I root for Rey Mysterio as a father? It's just, it's just me as a father. How can I root for Rey Mysterio? We need to do a PSA on how not to be Rey Mysterio. Don't do this as a father. If you love your children, don't be a Rey Mysterio, by all means. Be Roman Reigns. Be Kofi Kingston. Be the true father of the year, Titus O'Neil. Be the father you can aspire to be, not named Rey Mysterio. Fuck him. Jeremy, your thoughts on all of this? I don't... uh, When I first saw this match, it was carrying Cross instead of Rey Mysterio. And for the Intercontinental championship and i'm looking at this list and sheamus and gunther have just gone through this ricochet lost the title to gunther solo has no business being in a match that he could potentially lose to gunther and carrying cross is above the intercontinental title so we have this angle where it plays out through the uh show you're like oh okay this makes sense and uh you know it just goes to show 
getting a title shot than he had in the last few years as a single star. Maybe if he had focused on his career instead of his nepotism, he'd be in a better place where he had not a scenario where he was going to get killed before the next title and no son adopted or not. This is all on him. I don't always agree with Scott, but right now, eye to eye, buddy. Rey Mysterio, definitely not father of the year. Worst father of the year. I want to confirm that I have voted. It is confirmed and it is so. And, you know, Ray could have done this a long time ago if he stopped policing his son's sex life. If he wants to be submitted by Rhea Ripley, then you let your son get submitted by her. Damn it. Let him get some. He's waited long enough. If he stopped having wrestling matches in which he treated Dominic as if uh, he was asking him in the middle of the match, who's your daddy again, Dominic? Maybe Dominic wouldn't resent him in a wrestling ring, but <laughs> hey, Ray Mysterio has a lot of things he has to look back on and wonder if he did it the right way. And, and you know, I, I hate to use logic, but, you know, because who uses logic when it comes to wrestling? If, they, if he would have never turned and they would have had a singles match, Rey Mysterio would have whooped that boy's tail in the ring. He'd have been kicking him in the leg. He'd have, he'd have tore that hamstring up. But he'd apologizing after every move. Right, so right. Sorry, but, son. Oh, I'm, so my sorry. bad son, but I got to do it. I got to do it as he beats so him sorry, down. Sorry, tore your ACL. <laughs> and, but now all of a sudden, that he, now that he done, he done went to the dark side and got himself a woman, Rey Mysterio don't know how to act. Daddy don't know how to yeah, act. Now, now that his feelings are actually hurt, he can't possibly hurt him right, anymore. Right, right, Just terrible parenting by Rey Mysterio and then he gets be a parent not his friend that's it well he wanted to do both and he sucks and this is what happens now your son is getting you know what he's happy and that's all that matters and and dad you can't give Dominic the kind of happiness he's looking for right now he's very happy with Rhea Ripley very content smile on his face too late day. for Rey Mysterio to give him the spanking he deserves Rhea spanking him in, in many ways, and that's all that matters. And uh, we're going to move on now. Hey. <laughs> hey. And Damian Priest is in the room for it all. Got to say that. No judgment. <laughs> no judgment. As we move on to our main event angle involving the returning Bray Wyatt, we got new music, we have a new set design. And, you know, we got Winham Rotunda talking to us on Friday night, being extremely emotional. He was overcome with emotion for the fans, cheering for him, saying, thank you, Bray, welcome back. And he notes it's been a rough year for me, been a rough couple of years, losing people very dear to me. I lost my confidence. I lost my way. I thought none of this mattered, but you reminded me that it does. And you saved my life in some ways. You, I saved yours because you walked up to me on the street saying that you impacted, that I've impacted your life in some way. I'm very appreciative of this. And the fans are cheering for him. We got the lights out. We got the fireflies flying. It's a beautiful, poignant moment. Comes from a real place, from Bray Wyatt, his true self. And then we get the cliffhanger. And this dude in a mask, who we presume is Bray Wyatt, a personality that's gone split on us, and he says the following. He tells Bray to come with him because your life's done. Forget the future and forget the past. You have no idea who you're dealing with, but you will. And there's an evil cackle and SmackDown abruptly goes off the air before 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern. It was eerie. 
It was creepy, but I loved it because we don't know where this is going. This is a long-term storyline for WWE. Is it six people rapping Wyatt? Is it six personalities of Wyatt? I don't know, but I like the fact that we got a glimpse into the real Bray Wyatt on Friday from the heart, and we got this dark, menacing person that's trying to tell him, hey, none of this matters. Join me. Forget all of this shit, and we're going to do what we're going to do. I don't know where it's going. I'm intrigued by it. I want to see how he tells this story via this framework of this is you. This is your autonomy as a performer. This is a story you're trying to tell, and I'm along for the ride. No judgment yet. I will say let's keep the supernatural stuff to a very bare minimum, but in terms of production and cinematics, I'm a fan so far. I love a good long-term story to get me through WrestleMania season. And I can't wait to see all of this is going to play out regarding who's going to be who in this group. And if really it's all going to be Wyatt having six different personalities, which could be a possibility as well, Jeremy. Where do I start? Okay. I, I am not a Bray Wyatt fan. I do think that he is immensely talented. He is creative. He has an ability in the ring to tell a story that is not, uh, that is acceptable to me, like on, on a level. With that said, like I want, I want to be abundantly clear that he's good in the ring. He's good on the mic. He's creative. He's got all the boxes checked but he does nothing for me and his approach to wrestling does nothing for me. I find him to be self-indulgent and potentially ruinous towards the rest of the roster. And I'm open this time around to the idea that a lot of that was due to his creative vision, not being able to be executed the way that he saw fit. And that could change this time around. What do I want to see out of this as a result? I do not want to see a slow plotting three to six month build towards figuring out what's going on with Bray Wyatt. Is he good? Is he bad? What not? I know that's what we're going to get. I am. I've made my peace with that. And so I will, I will watch the Hulu cut the next day and figure out what I think of it after everyone else has their opinions on it. What I would like to see, though, is not a six faces a Foley kind of thing with Wyatt, but uh, I kind of like an idea where that masked man was actually uh, like a James Mitchell kind of type of character that was pulling the strings and that all the other, the Huskies, the Sister Abigail, the ones that showed up at Extreme Rules, we're actually sleeper agents that are going to get activated and they're all going to pop at the same night with this like huge reveal, kind of like the Battlestar Galactica Cylons or, or whatever. Basically like just one big moment where it all happens at once, where all of these people are basically called to their role. Maybe a couple of them aren't with WWE right now. Maybe, maybe, you know. Liv Morgan is Sister Abigail, and this whole extreme thing is her going to get suddenly activated into uh, this new Wyatt regime, clan thing, whatever. I would much be more interested in someone pulling the strings and Bray Wyatt coming back, apparently, like, 
mentally clear and focused and then he he becomes corrupted because he was always programmed this way and someone else is pulling the strings to me that would be far more interesting than bray wyatt being the ringleader of this own thing i feel i feel like he needs to be a character in his own story not the star of his own story and I do like that. And there are some names floating around as to who could be the characters for Huskis, Abigail, the Buzzard, Mercy, and Rabbling Rabbit. There are some interesting names out there. Some call-ups potentially from NXT. I'm interested in it. And I do love that idea of let, let's not have Bray be the star of the storyline. Let him be like a supporting actor in some ways to say who's really driving it. Is it really somebody behind the scenes, not him so much being the guy in the mask with the distorted voice? We don't know yet. But... For the first week, I'm in. We'll see how it goes. This is his genius now. It's not Vince muddying things up. So we'll see how it goes in the months to come. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the end of SmackDown with Bray Wyatt's emotional promo, followed by the creepy guy in the mask telling us, hey, there's no hope for you. There is no life. Give up, give in, and just do what you need to do. I thought the the promo itself was excellent. I thought that Bray Wyatt, he, I think Bray Wyatt's an excellent character i think he's an excellent actor as far as when he needs to convey an emotion he's able to do that he needed to convey vulnerability that was the big emotion he was trying to get over and i i thought his vulnerability during this entire segment was just excellent uh the the cracking in his voice the little things of when he heard somebody in the crowd say i love you just look i love you too like I, little things like that just he was human. This was a, and he said at the beginning of his promo, like, this is me. This is the first time you're seeing me for me. I really, really, really liked it. I, I thought that was great. Where I started falling off was when the lights went black and we got the guy. And, you know, I, I am hoping it's it's less less uh, uh, Undertaker and, and more more just kind of psychological type things instead of actual powers and stuff like that. But the the idea of, of, of a, a James Mitchell type character for him, I, I do like that. I just, the only problem with that is, well, not problem, but whoever that reveal is of who that the head is or who is pulling the strings, it's got to be somebody significant. It's got to be somebody on a Bray Wyatt level or greater especially with the the reaction that he got. So I love the idea. I just worry about who it could be. Um, now, I think the the rest, of, I think the, re- the reveal and everybody, like all of them being sleeper agents and it being people that we see every day. And then all of a sudden one night we just, they all just start acting crazy. I love that. And I, I think that would be a great hook, especially with Survivor Series coming up. I think that'd be a great way to fill out your Survivor Series team is by, you know, each week a different sleeper agent wakes up. And you've. I, I think I love that idea. I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, but I, so I, I guess, Jeremy, I have to ask you this. Who, I mean, who comes to mind as a name that's big enough or, or equipped, even equipped I, I should use that word too to kind of lead this entire story because Bray's going to be a top tier guy, especially with the reactions he's getting. The first guy that I thought of, and I'm not sure it really works or not, but within the ecosphere of WWE would probably be Kane. Hmm. Not Glenn Jacobs though, Kane. Could be Jen Jacobs. It doesn't really matter. The, the guy, the guy's crazy enough. That's true. Um, <laughs> 
That's I, true. <laughs> I, uh, could be uh, Wendy Chu. Wendy Chu could be the uh, the person behind the mask. That that's entirely possible. I I hadn't thought about it enough, but it was it was just one of those like there are people out there that I feel like could probably do it. You could even just go left field and have like Titus O'Neil be the guy just pulling all the strings on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, that that would never work. Uh, I don't know. I really don't. But to me, like. If you're going to have Bray Wyatt orbiting this entire like world and everything revolves around Bray, it gets very tiresome for me very quickly. So if you're going to have like a universe in which Bray exists in, I want Bray to play off of all of that rather than everybody playing off of Bray. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. Yes, and very good idea. Hope it happens that way. This is Bray's vision now. And we'll see how it all comes together on SmackDown. He's exclusive to that show every Friday night. So expect shenanigans for months to come as we inch towards WrestleMania season. And with that, it's time to select our best damn television match of the week across Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Level Up, perhaps even main event. So, Jeremy, what is your pick for best match of the week? The no bullshit, no frills, best match of the week for me was Johnny Gargano versus Austin Theory. Wow, a nice selection. I appreciate that. Scott, your selection for this week. I got to go with uh, Nathan Frazier and Axiom. I, I thought the this the third match was really, really fun. And uh, I thought Frazier just showed great fire throughout. So that's my match of the week. And I co-sign with Scott. That is also my favorite match of this week. Honorary mention goes to the Fatal 4-Way between Deadbeat Father, Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, Ricochet, and Solo. Very fun Fatal 4-Way match to earn the right to get killed by Gunther in kayfabe, of course. And with that, this is a wrap for all things WWE for this week. I want to thank Jeremy and Hangry Scott Young for joining me this week as we chop it up when it comes to all things WWE. Well, thank you for having me. I'll, uh, I'll make sure to have a burger and maybe some uh, some muffins next time so I won't be as hangry when I uh, jump on the air. But uh, it's always a pleasure. And Jeremy, it's uh, always great to have your perspective on things. And uh, I thought you, uh, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't embarrass me too bad this week. So I appreciate that. I felt like you were salty. I was a little spicy. And it was a good mixture of the both <laughs> on the show tonight. Now I'm hungry. And I hate you uh... both. Keela, you are the best host in the world. And I yes. just have to say that. I say that here and now. Like you keep you you may think you don't keep the show on the rails, but you most definitely keep the show on the rails. I appreciate that. Sometimes it's me trying to get the show off the rails. And I try not to do that. I try to have self control here, steering this, but I got two amazing co captains by my side every single week. And you know, Scott and I will be back next week covering Halloween Havoc, the NXT special going down live on Peacock. And we'll mix in some quick hits from Raw, SmackDown, and NXT because we have the rare head-to-head battle for one week only, Dynamite versus NXT on Tuesday with baseball and basketball all going down at the same time. We have the What You Need to Know covered right here on the Fight Game Media Network to get you through your early Sunday morning. So until then, for myself, 